Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. If you've been involved in the theater in Central Kentucky or you have attended a play in Lexington or Versailles in the last, hmm, 34 years or so, the name Kevin Hardesty has most likely not escaped you. Kevin has built a reputation as an actor of film, television, and stage during that time and has come to be known as a lead actor for a wide range of roles and abilities. He currently is starring in the Kentucky Humanities Chautauqua series in dual roles of Jefferson Davis and Daniel Boone. And we'll tease people because we're not really in a situation where we can announce, but there's something else coming down the pike, and we'll uh, we'll have that for you later. But uh, we want to welcome him to our Think Humanities podcast microphones. Thank you for having me, Bill. So we've got a lot of talk uh, to talk about. I-, I know a lot of you do interact and you get to meet the public uh, when you're appearing as a Chautauqua actor, especially when you're appearing as, as Daniel Boone. But I don't know if people know a lot about your background because uh, as a Chautauqua actor, you're, you're in, in the, the, the mood, you're in, in role, you're in character. Mm-hmm. So you don't really talk about yourself personally, so let's do that. Okay. So are you a Kentuckian by... Birthright? I am, Bill. I was born here in Lexington. Um, went to Lexington Catholic High School, and I'm also an alumni of the University of Kentucky, where I got my BFA in acting. Uh, after that, I studied with the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art for a time. Um, started my career primarily on the stage. My first big break was right out of uh, UK, actually. And I was cast in one of the lead roles in a Neil Simon show called Biloxi Blues. It was a national touring company of the show. And I did that for about two and a half, three years. Traveled all over the country from Maine to Hawaii. uh, And uh, sort of uh, got to work my chops there. Um, And at the end of that tour, we ended up in San Francisco for an extended run of about eight weeks. Um, During that time, I met some people who were working in Los Angeles and uh, decided to make the move to the West Coast and pursue some film and television work as well. I would imagine as a a young man uh, out of school, touring the country must have been a thrill. It was extraordinary. I was in my my early 20s making more money than I knew what to do with. Biloxi Blues, I don't know if you're familiar, yeah. but it's a cast of, I think it's five guys and, and two women. So, uh, and we're all young and just uh, just having a good time. And some extraordinary actors, including Brian Tarantina, who some folks will know. He's currently starring in The Marvelous Miss Maisel, mm, um, yeah. which is a wonderful show. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, he passed away way too young, just a few short weeks ago, but he is uh, appearing in the third season. Nancy Simon, who is actually the daughter of Neil Simon, was directing that production. Um, so yeah, I got to meet Gene Sachs, the original Broadway director. Neil Simon came to see the show several times, and it was uh, yeah, an extraordinary break for a young man. And uh, I tried to make the most of it. You, um, I just saw um, uh, the Lexington uh, Opera's uh, House, uh, uh, beautiful, the Carol King story uh-huh. and her music, and uh, I just. Uh, besides enjoying the music and, and the talent, uh, 
just for a moment thought about the the young people on stage and mm-hmm. their schedule and their travel and city to city and um, the extraordinary uh, uh, dancers and singers and all of that. And I would imagine that their their backgrounds were similar to yours. Uh, but I'm also curious about routine. Uh, I, I thought uh, the, the play, um, the production was over at, say, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably had not eaten dinner, so dinner's uh, like uh, in Spain, it's late at night. And then, d- d- what, do they sleep all <laughs> morning and then go, go to the theater do they is there a rehearsal or to just tell now that's a musical but you're 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 doing drama so it's your your schedule's the same sure uh you know on a professional schedule the rehearsal period might be three to four weeks at most um you know i what i loved about the job is yeah you're really getting paid a full salary to work you know two and a half hours a night um and it would just depend uh i think on the actor and and the uh the piece of work what you're talking about with dancers or something like Hamilton, for instance, yeah. I mean, those people, uh, you know, are athletes, really. Uh, so I think uh, there's a lot of discipline that's required. I think a lot of self-care, just being able to take care of your instrument, your body, your voice. And even now, traveling with the, the Chautauqua shows, which is not obviously on that level, but I do travel a lot. I'll be going to Western Kentucky after we get done with this. But, you know... I'm constantly aware I can't afford to get sick, Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, some people get sick, they can call in. You know, if I get sick and I miss tomorrow, that's 500 kids that aren't mm-hmm. going to get to see Daniel Boone. So mm-hmm. I think there's a certain amount of uh, self-care, uh, discipline, and then just trying to make the most of whatever city or place that you're visiting. Try to, uh, you know, touch the people and have them touch you and get some of the local culture. So San Francisco probably wasn't a, a bad city to spend eight weeks or so San in. San Francisco was amazing. <laughs> and I think it was a little cleaner back then. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. We played at a place called the Theater, the Theater on the Square, which is on Post Street in downtown San Francisco. And uh, yeah, just had an absolute blast. Yeah, yeah. Really fun. So uh, at some point in time, you, you decided it was time to come back home? Yes. Well, I traveled to L.A. and I worked there for um, about six or seven years pursuing film and television and did fairly well. Uh, I probably did five or six feature films, a couple of TV shows. Um, you know, I was probably a little too impatient as a young man uh, and maybe wasn't getting the success that I, I thought I should have. Uh, a folly of youth, but in any case, um, I, I decided to come back home, and uh, I also was caring for my my father, who became ill for a time. So I sort of just established a new life back here in Kentucky. Have stayed active in in theater for all of those years, and um, and still try to work professionally uh, whenever the opportunity comes out, which is why the Chautauqua series has been such a um, an absolute blessing for me as an actor. Yeah. What um, give me your uh, overview of um, of theater today? Uh, in uh, you mentioned Hamilton, um, uh, but theater, uh, whether it's in New York or whether it's here, or I mean, how, how much has it changed in the time that you've been involved in it? Is it uh, is it uh, difficult? Was it difficult on the West Coast when you were doing trying to do film and TV? Uh, where I'm, I'm sure there were uh, other theater roles that maybe. Uh, gave you an opportunity or has pretty much um, theater um, uh, stage theater and movies and television has it become so 
competitive that it's just it's difficult for a young person to really get started? You know, I think some of the changes, um, just on a local level, for instance, I think there's more theater here in Lexington than there ever was. So there's a lot more groups. Um, and I've always felt, you know, more theater is, is good for everyone if it's produced at, at the highest level possible. Uh, on a bigger bigger level, it seems like there's more tendency towards a lot of musicals. Uh, mm. A lot of shows opening in New York require a real name now. Sometimes they'll sort of transport a movie star to open a show in the summertime in New York. So a lot of big budget musicals, which is fine. I love them. Um, and, you know, just the difference between the coast. It was always New York was the theater town mm -hmm. and L.A. was the, uh, the film town. I was with a, a pretty big agency in Los Angeles, uh, APA, who had all sorts of big stars. Huge office, took up the, the whole floor of a skyscraper in Los Angeles. And they had one guy who was about 80 years old who was their, you know, he was the theater guy, right? So mm -hmm. you could tell mm -hmm. where, where the emphasis mm -hmm. was. You know, they wanted to book you for a series or a film because they're getting 10% of whatever you're making. So the theater wasn't hugely supported, mm -hmm. uh, you know, during my time in, in LA. But just personally, Bill, I've always thought, um, you know, the work is about the work, no matter what level you're doing it on, you know, and I truly believe that if I'm giving everything I have and working on an amazing script with really talented people for the right reasons, um, then I'm, I'm happy doing it for 30 people at the Downtown Arts Center or, you know, a thousand people at a theater in New York. I mean, to me, the work is about the work. And I've always felt expanding your audience is a great thing. But you know, as an artist, uh, I can do, you know, you can do the work anywhere. What's um, a good role for you? What, what do you consider to be a role that you, in, you enjoy, that you know you're going to do well? well what's a good role? You know, I've, I've always felt myself more as a, a dramatic actor, although Biloxi Blues that I cut my teeth on was, was a comedy. Uh, Kevin Nance, who just did a feature on me in the Herald Leader, <laughs> sort of gave me a, a sideways cut saying that I used to have, you know, matinee idol good looks and was a, uh, you know, a forceful leading man on stage. And I've, uh, you know, uh, become more reserved in my older <laughs> age. But, um, you know, I, I've always favored the drama. I've always favored work that allows me to be uh, passionate as an actor, explore a range of emotions, which is, again, why I love both of these characters I do for uh, the Chautauqua series because it allows me just full reign of all of my emotions, you know, and it's just so visceral and the audience is right there. Have you seen uh, Harper Lee's uh, Broadway production, or I, I should say Aaron Sorkin's um, uh, 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 To Kill a Mockingbird? I haven't. I would like to. I me need too. To. Yeah. It would seem like you'd be a terrific Atticus Finch. That's one that's on the list, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that would be a good one. There's so many plays. I used to do a lot of uh, American classics with a group uh, here in Lexington called Phoenix Group Theater with my mentor, Joe Farrell, who's a wonderful mm -hmm. director. And we, we focused on Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller and, and just these, you know, these... Yeah. Great American playwrights who wrote such amazing words on the page. And to me, that's what it's all about. There are some brilliant new playwrights. I just did two back-to-back -back plays uh, with um, On the Verge Theater here in Lexington. Mm. We did the original Ibsen A Doll's House mm. and then took a brief break and rehearsed and put up 
A Doll's House Part Two, which is by a brilliant uh, young playwright by the name of Lucas Nath, um, uh, who is just a, a, a gorgeous writer. So I think it's just, it all starts on the page for me and I just get to tell the story. What's um, significant and important to you about uh, being Daniel Boone? Daniel Boone is a mantle, you know. I mean, I really, honestly, Bill, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, I started this just briefly. I'll tell the story. I started with the Jefferson Davis piece. We have some parameters for these characters. They should be born in Kentucky, have a profound impact on not only Kentucky history, but hopefully our nation's history. Um, so as I was searching for a character to bring to you all, um, you know, I kept coming across Jefferson Davis, and I thought, oh, you know, no one's going to want to see Davis. He was a slave owner, and he was on the wrong side of history and all of this. Uh, but I kept coming around to him. So I started with the Davis just because I didn't know that much about him. Mm -hmm. He is a, a Kentucky native son. And just to speak on that, before I talk mm -hmm. about Boone, I will tell you, uh, you know, I think there might be... Um, some folks who would think, well, that's not politically correct, or we can't bring that piece in. But I will tell you, it is so brilliantly written by Bo List, who wrote both of my pieces and some other uh, in the Chautauqua series. It doesn't glorify or demonize Davis. It just paints him uh, as a man of his time, his culture, his geography, his passions, you know. And I tell people everywhere I go, I'm not in the business of hurting people's feelings. And the Davis is not about me you know, talking about white supremacy or running around with a Confederate flag, far from it. It is about exploring, um, you know, the reasons uh, that divided our country, you know. Uh, so for me, it's, uh, and just one further comment on that. The best compliment I ever got doing any of this Chautauqua work, at least for me personally, I was doing the Jefferson Davis at Perryville, the reenactment in Perryville. Uh, and the show went great, and I had a couple, an uh, elderly couple, come up to me, and I noticed their accents. They were from Great Britain, mm. and they said, "Thank you so much for doing the work." And I thought it was odd. What are you, what are you all doing in the in the middle of Kentucky? They were spending a good part of their retirement. They had just retired, and they'd come to the states, and they had a, this fascination with the Civil War. So they were traveling all around all of the great, uh, you know, Civil War battlefields. But their great compliment was, thank you for doing this work, because if we don't teach our history, we're bound to repeat it. And of course, I'd heard that before, and I think we've all heard that phrase. But the truth is, I, I think there is a grain of truth to that that we have to think about, you know. Don't hide from the history, you know. When I first decided to do that piece, um, about two weeks prior to my first show, which was going to be in Princeton, Kentucky, mm -hmm at a gorgeous historic theater, and I was so excited, Bill, I'd been rehearsing for a year, you know, most mm -hmm. plays you do mm -hmm. rehearse for a month, so mm -hmm. I, was, I was chomping at the mm -hmm. bit. And about two weeks prior to that, we had this tragedy uh, in South Carolina, you'll probably remember from, mm -hmm. I guess, about five years ago, and I won't mention his name, but there was this madman who went into this African-American church during a prayer vigil and shot these people down during their, their prayers, and it was a, a, an act of violence and hostility and, and outright evil. And one of the reactions to that, because this guy had posted on his Facebook page with a Confederate flag, was all of this enmity, this reaction to all things and symbols Southern. You know, uh, calls to remove the Confederate flag from the state house in, in <laughs> South Carolina. Calls to remove Davis's statue yeah. from our own Capitol Rotunda. Mm -hmm. Although I've heard 
rumors if they take Davis down, they're thinking about putting Boone up, so I might get two gigs <laughs> out of it. We'll mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. In any case, the point is, you know, I don't, um, I'm just trying to show the man, mm-hmm. right? And show both sides of the argument that has already been decided. But um, that's a long-winded answer to your question no. about Daniel Boone. No, 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 <laughs> no. We'll we'll go to Boone, but let's let's. I'm glad you started with Davis mm-hmm. because I think one of the important things that you do in your uh, performance and and what Bo did in his script is show probably legions of uh, Kentuckians who think they know Jefferson Davis uh, a whole different side of him and. Uh, what he did, um, not just connected to to the war, but what he did uh, in in Washington and uh, the other areas, the other uh, parts of his personality, and and uh, I think that's that's the benefit, uh, or that is the, the 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 good thing that we do at Kentucky Humanities with these stories is really uh, we're not uh, shunning uh, history. Uh, uh, we're not uh, trying to uh, to remake uh, what is already established as record, but we're trying to to go beyond that. And and Jefferson Davis is a perfect example of 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 uh, sure somebody might uh, critique uh, you or or us for for keeping that character uh, uh, where uh, he has been in, in our performance uh, catalog, but at the same time. We're teaching. It's part of our history. Absolutely, we're teaching. And, you know, I tell people, uh, you know, Davis was a young, up-and-coming political newcomer. You know, he was he was the man of the hour. And I think, you know, as a representative from Mississippi and a senator from Mississippi, I think, um, and Secretary of War, yeah, he built a lot of the infrastructure, ironically, for the military that ended up defeating him only a few years later, you know, but I think it was a family man, a man of passion. One of the stories I love, Bill, that I learned and I express in the piece, uh, there was a, um, a young African-American boy uh, called Jim Limber, who, this is at the height of the Civil War, um, and Davis and Verena, his wife, are living in Richmond, Virginia, at the Confederate White House, and Verena is out walking one night and sees this man abusing this, this young African-American boy. He's five years old. So she takes him in, takes him. Uh, they bring them into their home, and they raise him as their own son, not as a servant or a slave or a project, as their own flesh and blood, you know? So to me, it speaks to me about who Davis was, you know? When we talk about the slavery issue, of course, we're not... I'm not debating the slavery issue that was decided, you know, yeah. decades ago, and it was amoral and it was wrong. But I do try to explore what were some of those reasons, you know. From Davis's point of view, he was seeing in his ideal plantation system, you know, slaves on his plantations were allowed, uh, you know, they were afforded health care and education, and even some of them given vacations. And what he was seeing was with the freed slaves going north, that they were being abused in the streets, you know, by the industrial north and, and starving. So it doesn't make it right. It just gives some sense of why, you know, if you come at it from obviously the South and slavery was wrong, but why would they have even wanted those things? So mm-hmm. it just sort of yeah. explores both issues. And it takes, a, I think, a brave teacher to, to bring mm-hmm. me in to do the work. But mm-hmm. uh, those who do, I think, um, quickly find it, you know, mm-hmm. instructive and interesting. So now to Daniel Boone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, uh, again, I think uh, in, in uh, your characterization and, and Bo's uh, writing, uh, Bo List uh, uh, and his writing, we learn uh, a lot more about Daniel Boone than you do when you uh, grow up in Kentucky and, and just look at, at him as the character Daniel Boone. When I started researching Boone, one of the most fascinating things, I was reading um, a book by Daniel Morgan, and he, in the foreword of the book, he talks about when he was beginning to research and, and write about Boone. This is an intelligent man. He's a historian and a well-renowned author and had worked at many universities. And he had uh, queried some of his old university professors about, about Daniel Boone and what did they know. And I was struck by one of them sent back said, Daniel Boone, I thought he was just, uh, I thought that was just folklore. They didn't even know him as an actual man, you mm -hmm. know? So we don't have any recordings. We don't have any, uh, you know, we have some, some paintings, um, but we don't have any, um, you know, audio recordings. Mm -hmm. So what I tried to do was really just um, find an amalgam of Kentucky, you know, and those characters. But the Boone, for me, we show his humor, his warmth, his, uh, his aptitude as a family man, his amazing career as a hunter and an explorer. What I love about the Boone piece is it runs like a freight train. I mean, it is 40 minutes, but it never stops. It is highly narrative. And it plays for all ages, Bill, but tomorrow I'll play for two elementary schools, and I'm telling you, that is my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. You give me a room of fifth graders, they are on the edge of their seats. So it's entertaining for everyone, but we certainly wrote it uh, not only to be you know, entertaining, but also uh, enlightening and, and educational as well. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. And everywhere I go, someone comes up after me uh, after I'm done and says, I'm, I'm related to Daniel Boone, you know? <laughs> Everywhere I go, Bill, you everybody's know, as related. If it's the most amazing yeah. thing to them, and I. Tr <laughs> uh, so it's uh, yeah. He was prolific in his adventures and his explorations of our state, and uh, I get to go to every pocket of it and share his story. Yeah, you do how many of those performances a year for Kentucky Humanities? You know, I've been roughly doing about a hundred a year. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty stressful schedule early on. It's it's backed off just a yeah. little bit, which is probably good just for uh, for my own sanity and health. But yeah, I do about a hundred a year and uh, and love it. You know, and I've shared this before, Bill. For me, the, the best part of doing the work aside from getting to work as an actor and travel and meet interesting people, I get to go to pockets of this state, mm -hmm. especially in Eastern Kentucky, where I don't think these kids are even familiar with the medium of theater. I mean, they might have seen live music at some point, but it is to see the expressions, to see their eyes pop. You know, it's not film, it's not television. They could, if they wanted to, get up and touch me. You know, there is such a palpable, visceral quality to live theater. Uh, and it just is exhilarating mm -hmm. to take this thing to pockets of the state where people haven't, haven't seen theater before or, or don't know anything about Boone. Uh, so it's, uh, my goals as an artist have always been to educate, enlighten, and entertain, and Chautauqua fuses those goals infuses my skill set to to do all three well not to go on uh, about chautauqua and kentucky humanities but that's that's our mission that that's what's important and we find that same thing uh, when we do an event that we just have gotten underway in the last couple of years called school days which is connected to our kentucky book fair when 
uh, an author and sometimes an author who's also an illustrator uh, go to pockets of, of the state, uh, eastern and western Kentucky, and the kids are from homes uh, who don't have a lot of books. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they've never been in a bookstore. Right. And an author is talking to them and then signs a book or, or he or she may uh, illustrate something uh, if they're doing their book. And it, it touches those kids Absolutely. And, and means something. And you're doing the same thing. You, um, I've read uh, in um, a couple of places that uh, you, you've in a short period of time, you're you're there at the school for what an hour or so, a mm-hmm. forty minute present. Uh, kids get attached to to you, yes. uh, the character. Yes, uh, and it's uh, it's heartwarming, isn't it? It's amazingly heartwarming. You know, I think every performer does it differently. We do do about a, a forty minute, um, you know, one man show, and then there's generally 15 or 20 minutes of Q&A and discussion. I know that some of the uh, actors choose to stay in character during that time. I, only because of my background as an actor, find it more interesting to come out of character, introduce myself as Kevin, the actor, um, and also explain to them a little bit about theater, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so th- that's the way I do mm-hmm. it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, I had one experience in, in Eastern Kentucky where a this young girl was right on the front row, and she um, had her head shaved, and I don't know if she was ill or mm-hmm. uh, what, what the deal was, but she stood out and uh, just clung to me after the show. Uh, and I just, you know, to be as grizzled a veteran as mm-hmm. I am in this business, you know, there is something more important than money and mm-hmm. fame and all of that, and it's touching someone mm-hmm. with your work, and mm-hmm. I get to do that on a regular basis, mm-hmm. so highly rewarding. And there's a picture of you, and she's grasping your arm and that's right, and really hugging you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that must uh, have been a moment. Um, well, uh, we're, we're so proud of uh, you and your work uh, for Kentucky Humanities, and and people are familiar with your your brilliant uh, stage work. Um, and now I want to spend the last few minutes talking about uh, a movie that uh, I don't know if you knew that it was going to get the the notoriety that it did, but I guess that's just a, a Facebook post or a a newspaper digital uh, a post that uh, kind of causes you to uh, uh, talk about this. So tell me about Not to Forget. Not to Forget is a new feature film uh, that was shot, uh, I think we wrapped about a month ago, but it was shot primarily uh, in Danville, Kentucky, around central Kentucky. Some scenes were shot in Stanford, Kentucky, at a beautiful old farmhouse called Arcadia. So um, the film is about a woman with Alzheimer's disease, her relationship with her caretaker slash farmhand, Joe, who I get to play in the film, and their relationship with her delinquent grandson, who has come to live with them on her Kentucky farm. The grandson has been running these con jobs in New York City and gets arrested, and as part of the, his sentence, the judge mm-hmm. sentences him to come back to Kentucky and, and take care of, uh, help take care of his, her, um, his grandmother. So um, got to work with some amazing actors, Bill. Uh, Karen Grassley stars as the woman with Alzheimer's. Karen Grassley, people will know as Ma Ingalls mm. from Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. plays the town preacher. Got to do several amazing scenes with him. Uh, Tatum O'Neill plays uh, the doctor. 
Um, and then it goes on and on. George Sekiris, who uh, won an Oscar for his portrayal in West Side Stories in the film. Uh, Cloris Leachman, yet another really? Oscar winner, yeah. plays the town hairdresser. <laughs> and the cherry on top is Olympia Dukakis, who plays the judge um, in the film. So star-studded wow. cast, to say yeah. the least. Um, but, it, uh, it, you know, they, um, they had some local auditions. I went in to read. Basically, I thought maybe I'll get a townsperson role or something smaller. And uh, they read me for one of the leads. They, they liked the work, uh, brought me back to read two more scenes. And before I knew it, they'd offered me the role. So it was, a, it was a stroke of fortune. Again, I have some experience. I'm not foreign to it. And uh, so I think I, I'm re- I was ready for the opportunity, clearly. But, uh, you know, I tried to make the most of, of uh, yeah, a stroke of good fortune, for sure. And the film really uh, is focused on Alzheimer's and uh, the, the grandmother character, Karen. Uh, uh, Karen's character is uh, the one suffering uh, with Alzheimer's. And um, what, what, did you, what did you learn about this devastating disease uh, that you didn't know before? Karen had done a great deal of studying to play that character, and she certainly, um, we talked a lot about about the impact it has. And I think part of the film's goal, not only to raise awareness for those who suffer, but also the caretakers, you know, and, and just the profound impact it has on the family network and everyone involved. Um, I, I will, can I tell the, the Riverbank scene story? I love this yeah. story just because I think it really sort of illustrates um, something about the disease and about the work that we were able to do. But uh, the second day of shooting, we were sitting on a riverbank, Karen and I getting ready to do a scene where she sort of uh, has one of her panic attacks, freaks out. Uh, she's looking in the, the water. She sees her reflection, and she doesn't recognize herself. So that causes this meltdown where she says, who is that? Who is that woman staring at me? And I've shared the story before, but right prior to to shooting the scene, which we had not really rehearsed at all. The director came over and said, don't worry about the lines, just improv this thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, Karen took a beat, she turned around, looked me dead in the eye and said, are you ready to play? And I said, yeah, let's play. So she said the first two lines, Bill, and then unbeknownst to me, the director, the cameraman, the sound man, just leapt into, leapt into the river and the only thing I could do to play the reality of the scene is leap in behind her and we're struggling and up to our necks in water and I'm trying to constrain her and console her and she's screaming. And uh, I tell you what, I've thought this through. One of the finest nights of my life as a person, as an, as an actor, just to have that visceral, real improvised quality to the work. I'm working with an icon, for mm-hmm. God's sakes. This woman I grew up watching on television, you know, and just really getting into doing the work. And we got out and dried off and went back to the bed and breakfast. And I got to watch the sunset with Karen. And it yeah. was, uh, I, and I'll tell you what, the crew was in tears. So I think the work, um, you know, hopefully was good. So obviously that was one take. It had to be one take. <laughs> and I've told some people before that are more, you know, some of this. Uh, our microphones were drenched and ruined. They're, you know, $600 microphones because we weren't anticipating going yeah. into the water, right? So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing night. You know, I've done so much theater work. What I do love about this film, Bill, is that I'm going to actually get to see it at some point. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's going to come out next fall. 
Um, takes about a year for editing and post-production, but I'm, I'm thrilled that I think we did some good work and it's preserved and uh, hopefully we'll get some play. I think the Alzheimer's issue is huge. Mm. We talked a, lot, uh, a little bit about that before we began today, just the number of people that it impacts and how many people have reached out to me on social media uh, after knowing I did this film just to share their own personal stories. It's, uh, it's devastating, the impact of the disease, and hopefully the film will raise awareness and, and hopefully uh, lead to a, a cure at some point. Does it um, instill in you, instill is not the right word, does it um, uh, make you want to maybe do a few more readings for some some film work? Yeah, uh, I, 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 it does. And I think there, uh, I met several people on the film uh-huh. uh, who are fairly well connected. And I think I've got uh, a few auditions. There's a new Netflix series that's being filmed in New Orleans. Uh, and actually the... The main reason that I got this role in the first place was a, a gentleman by the name of Robbie Henson. Yeah. I'm sure much of your audience mm-hmm. travels down to Pioneer Playhouse in the summertime. Yeah. He's the artistic director there, and I had worked with him in the past, and he, uh, he, he's the one who uh, initially got me to audition, and Robbie's actually got a, a new film script that he's hoping to make in our own state of Kentucky, and hopefully I'll be involved with that. Yeah. So work begets work, um, and hopefully there will be more. So... Um, not knowing you well, but uh, just in conversation and, and seeing your work as a Chautauqua actor, um, it seems like you're in a good place. And this has been th- this life of, I mean, you've made a life of it. Uh, have, yeah. you, you actually uh, make a living doing this. And, yeah. and, and that's, uh, that's unusual in itself uh, to a degree, is it not? It is. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. You know, I remember days... When I was living in L.A., and of course I, you know, proverbially waited tables like every actor, you know, and you'd audition maybe once a week, you know, and maybe you'd get a part every three months. I mean, it felt mm-hmm. like, even though I was probably on the fast track, it felt like the slow track. But I, I, what I love about my life now, Bill, is that I get to work consistently. Uh, I get to keep my skill set sharp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Kentucky Chautauqua just for keeping me sharp. I mean, doing 100 shows a year, I was totally ready to walk onto a film set. I mean, Uh I wasn't, oh, I haven't acted for a few months. You know, Mm -hmm. boom, let's go. You know, I was ready. So, yeah, yeah, and just just the ability to create your own work and be versatile as an artist. So, yeah, I'm I'm as happy and as productive uh, and as creative as I've ever been in my life. So, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, congratulations to you, and uh, thank you for being uh, such a fine uh, a Chautauqua uh, actor and a fine actor, period, uh, uh, for all of us. Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.